Yeah, real people, real stories. This is what we know well. Yeah, this is our truth today with Farron DeBell. Time to get it started quick, not just here for gossiping. Everything from entertainment, even talking politics. This for everybody at the gym or working steady. For your sister, brother, rabbi, even for your granny. Our truth today, trust, you don't want to miss it. Real people, real stories. Come through and take a listen. Yeah, follow on IG at our truth today. Yeah. I'm your host, Baron DeBell. On Our Truth Today, we take our first look at a multi-part series about a small town in Wisconsin, Greendale, a historic city touching the borders of Milwaukee. Greendale is the kind of town that embraces its history. One local says people who call themselves the originals can get away with almost anything because of their generational power. Founded in 1936, just after the Great Depression, the Department of Agriculture bought 3,400 acres of land to build single-family middle-income properties for families earning $1,200 to $2,700 per year. In today's dollars, that's about $22,000 to $47,000 per year. In 1940, 14% of Milwaukee County American-born citizens identified as black. In 1949, the federal government allowed the mostly white renters to purchase their homes, and by 1952, Greendale was the nearly all-white town it is today. But unlike the 1940s, when the middle-income families were making $30,000 a year in today's dollars, today's Greendale families average nearly $70,000 per year. The Milwaukee Neighborhood News Service reports that while some Milwaukee suburbs like Glendale and Brown Deer have strived to increase diversity in population, Glendale has 14% black residents and Brown Deer has 29%, the villages of Greendale and next-door Hales Corners remain the whitest Milwaukee County cities with less than 2% of their population identifying as black. In 1957, there was a short film about housing integration, about how many families in all-white towns might have felt when a middle-class black family tried to move into the neighborhood. Let's take a listen. quiet street in a quiet neighborhood in the middle of the 20th century. I'll get it. It's pretty late. Yes? Yes, this is Mrs. Candy. There must be some mistake. It was about those people that were here today. You mean because of... I knew it. I knew it the minute they got out of that car. I know somebody was going to throw a fit. I just don't understand you, Ed. You've always been a pretty regular guy. A credit to the neighborhood, too. I'm the same guy I've always been. There's something bothering you. Why don't you just say it? Same thing's bothering a lot of people. I guess we didn't know you as well as we thought. Get to the point, Tom. Come on, Ed, don't pretend you don't understand. Nobody's going to get away with the stuff you're trying to hand out. Now, look here. You look here. Nobody's threatening you. There's never going to be any violence in this part of town. We're peaceful people. You've got friends here. I'm your friend. We just want to know what it is you think you're doing to us. Can't blame Tom, Ed. People get nervous, you know. They worry. I told them it's probably all a mistake. We all know you wouldn't do anything out of line, Ed. Out of line? What in heaven's name are you talking about? Some people came to look at my house. They were Negroes. I haven't done anything yet. 
Now, take it easy, Ed. I'm not Tom Elder, you know. Look, let's face it. If you want to sell your house, I want to sell it for you. That's what I'm here for. That's my business. But there's some things you just can't do. Never to be the same again. At the first sign of the first family entering, the street responds with the old questions. Why do they go where they're not wanted? Why in a neighborhood like this? Now the old cries, running the place down and values down, wanting our girls. Now images rise up. Riots at night, murder, rape. Images of violation. Fears that lie deep in people's lives. Now the way I see it, school's one thing. Sorry for kids to learn what it's all about. But sure, you know. but when it comes to your home, your home's different. We've got our rights, too. They can't force us to live with them. Yeah, just let them try to force this in my block. While some residents in Greendale, Wisconsin, seem to hold on to the original's attitude, like we heard in this 1957 piece, others appear to be progressing toward inclusivity and diversity. Greendale resident Ethan Keller told local TMJ4 that his son wouldn't play in the local baseball league until they stopped using the offensive Indians team name. I don't want to call a community out that's a good community. I want to give people opportunity to change. There's more things in life than ball. Um, there's a basic respect that I think that he already knows and that I'm just trying to reinforce. But when a team is aimed after another race of people, then you have people on the field shouting things like, kill the Indians or beat the Indians. The only way that he can enter this league is that if there is no team with this team name in the league. People that wake up in the morning looking for something to be offended over. So I think the kids are the ones that are being hurt. Archaeologists say Native Americans have occupied this land for 10,000 years until settlers arrived in the 1600s and the American government forcibly took land after the Black Hawk War in 1834. While their numbers are small, black, brown, and Native families do exist in Greendale, and many of them say it's not a comfortable place, especially for kids. Our Truth Today's Tyra Dial talked with Brian Poitier, a writer for ConversationsWith.net, who just released an article about the race-based toxicity in the schools in this tiny town of Greendale, Wisconsin. Brian Poitier is a writer for our sister organization. He's a former Marine, proud black man, and observer and participant in various social justice circles. Some of his recent articles include advice to white people, racism in the military, and most recently, a story of consistent complaints of racism from Greendale, Wisconsin, a suburb of Milwaukee. Welcome to Our Truth Today, Brian. Thank you, Tyra. Thank you for having me. Okay, a little background. A Black female student is walking down the hallway, and a white student calls her the N-word three times as she confronts the student. She doesn't hit her. There's no physical violence, but she swears at her. The police are called, and the student is subsequently suspended. What have I missed? You know, this incident originally happened back in September of 2018. And as you mentioned, the black student by the name of Shanice Knox was called a nigger by another student. And the problem lies here. Police were called when she simply said something to stand up for herself and was subsequently suspended. And as you mentioned, keep in mind, there was no physical altercation that took place, no threats of any kind on the part of Shanice. And instead of the school administration handling this properly, the police were called and they threatened to arrest her. There are problems that we can obviously see from this, but 
what I want to delve into in my article and in what we're speaking of today is that the obvious is not so obvious to some. There's a reason behind that. And what I like to say is that history is my lawyer. We all know that history is a great teacher because we're talking about things that are uh, prevalent in schools. They're prevalent in our society. Not only the implicit bias, basically an unconsciously held set of associations about a social group, be it uh, race, religion, gender. And specifically as it relates to this story, it affects how teachers treat students. It affects how, let's say, workplace discrimination takes place, how cops treat us, how black defendants are treated more harshly in the courtroom than white defendants. And more importantly, it has an immediate and a lasting effect on how racism is carried out. Okay, that makes sense. Do you know what the atmosphere in the community in relation to racism is in general? You would have to look at the demographics as well. The demographics state that there is a 25% minority in uh, Greendale, Wisconsin, but the actual Black population, if I'm not mistaken, is 2% or less. So that will contribute into how race is, is, is perceived, how implicit biases are carried out, and especially at school, as evidenced by what happened with uh, our dear sister Shanice. Okay, so what was the school's response to the, the viral vi video of the students saying uh, all the N-words are animals? Before I speak to their response, I think it's vital that we know some things leading up to why they would respond the way they did, which I, I, would, I will get into and uh, your listeners will understand once this is explained. Their response was pretty much null and void of any type of uh, repercussions for any wrongdoing in how the faculty, and the faculty, the school administration, and the police handled this particular situation. There was nothing done in essence, to remedy, to, to remedy a situation that is a, a, a problem in our society and that, that specific problem is racism. I'm, I'm not going to say that I'm amazed at their response or the effects of racism that their response may have perpetrated because it's exactly what is expected from racism and white supremacy. I spoke of us lacking a remedy, the school system lacking a remedy. Their response or non-response lacks a remedy for racism. Am I surprised? No. But we also must ask ourselves, can racism truly be remedied? That's the question. But in order to answer that question, we must also ask ourselves another question. What type of racism? Systemic racism? Personal racism? Interpersonal racism? Cultural? A lot of people don't uh, uh, think of it in those terms. For instance, cultural racism. Uh, the authority to create and define the culture in a society. Uh, in America, for instance, the standards of art, beauty, other forms of culture, they've, uh, if we look at it, they've, and, and honestly look at it, they've historically been decided by, by white people, specifically straight white Christian men. So as a result, the dominant American culture often reflects the needs of that group and excludes or devalues the contributions of black people. We see it codified in individual culture and other types of racism in these perpetual systems 
In this particular instance, if systemic racism, for instance, is remedied through fair and equal justice in school settings, as Greendale, uh, as in Greendale High School, if it were to be, will that relay into racism from a systemic sense being remedied in society itself? As optimistic as I like to be, Tyra, I, I doubt it, but I have to be optimistic because what is a fight if you aren't optimistic about winning it, right? Has there, has there been an array of incidences in regards to race at this school? There have been, but again, alluding to your previous point, there hasn't been anything done about it. Uh, as you mentioned, there were videos. Uh, there was a video of the, the, the young white student saying that all niggers are animals. Nothing was done about that. Absolutely nothing was done about that. There are claims from other black students that they constantly feel unsafe because they are bullied and attacked with these, these uh, uh, racial slurs thrown their way, but nothing is done about it. There is a facade, there is a, 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 a cover uh, from the superintendent, from the school board, in the form of a so-called uh, diversity society or, or whatever they deem it, but there are no meetings constantly taking place. There is nothing taking place that is trying to fix this problem. The problem stems from the hierarchy. When you have a secretary, of, uh, a secretary of education, Betsy DeVos, and you have a Trump administration making decisions like rescinding Obama-era discipline guidance for reasons uh, due to supposedly cited prior problem behaviors, as opposed to institutional racism, there's a problem in that. So, when a person wants to focus or a a school district, a school board, a school administration, a teacher, anyone wants to focus on shifting black behaviors as opposed to shifting policies that are failing our black students. That is the problem. Definitely. And um, what was the what was the reaction of the community after this incident at the school? It depends on who you're <laughs> who you're speaking to, I would imagine. There were parents of other students who spoke up for Shanice, who reiterated their claims that there is racism in those hallways at Glendale High School and that there's no place for it in their community. But I'd imagine if you speak to the other 98 percentile, uh, you might find another and, and uh, another um, opinion regarding that issue, just as we find other opinions regarding other racial issues and racism in our country right now between black and white. A lot of people don't want to admit or acknowledge that because it takes a certain degree of, of sincerity and sociological intelligence to want to admit that there are things divided on, on racial lines. That was Brian Poitier from ConversationsWith.net. I'm Farron DeBell. We're going to take a quick break, and Tyra Dial will be back with Brian Poitier to dig a little deeper into what's going on in Greendale, Wisconsin. You're listening to Our Truth Today with Farron DeBell on ConversationsWith.net. Since the moment you were born, I've made a thousand wishes. Wishes for your future in a world that's changing fast. Do play and laugh. Do win and lose. Do it all with confidence, kindness, and strength. And always do your best to remember that no matter what you do in this life, 
What matters to me is that you keep doing. Inspire kids to do at 4H.org. Our truth today. Farm subsidies meant to offset the impacts of the Trump administration's trade war have been swept up by the nation's largest farms, according to new analysis by the Environmental Working Group. Don Carr with the group says the bottom 80% of farmers with smaller operations received less than $5,000, while the top 1% received $183,000 on average. The nation's biggest 82 farms received more than $500,000 each. From our perspective, being a washdog, is do these massive farms really need this money? And the conclusion most times is no. The struggling guys are the ones who need the money, and they're the ones not getting it. The data from the U.S. Department of Agriculture was obtained through a Freedom of Information Act request. Trade war-related payments made to farmers in 2018 and 2019 totaled $8.4 billion. More than half of that money went to just one-tenth of the program's participants. The USDA defends the program, noting that it's designed to provide support proportionate to a farm's size and success. The next round of payments will not be based on the amount of crops produced, but the number of acres planted, which Carr says will continue to favor the biggest farms. Carr says one reason the field is so lopsided is because the Trump administration decided not to impose rules for recipients to get bailouts. He notes that people who apply for food stamps under the Farm Bill have to follow very strict rules in order to qualify for help. We've been very, as a society, as a government, been very hard on folks who get SNAP benefits. The one place we don't make this same type of stringent requirement based on need, based on means, based on income, is in the farm sector. Carr says the market facilitation program has all but forgotten minority farmers. In Mississippi, where 14% of farmers are black, just 1.4% of the $200 million distributed for trade war relief went to black operators. For Public News Service, I'm Eric Galatis. We're back with Tyra Dial and Brian Poitier from conversationswith.net. The town of Greendale, Wisconsin has gone through several major complaints of racism in the last few years alone. Last year, this video was floating around the high school. Black people are animals. Say it again. <laughs> All niggers are animals. <laughs> and also last year, a fifth grade student posted similar videos calling black people animals and the N-word. Few consequences came down on these students, yet Brian Poitier just told us about a black student, Shanice Knox, who was suspended and threatened with arrest for disorderly conduct. Let's hear a little bit from the police body cam video where the assistant principal, a Greendale uniformed police officer, and a detective talked with Shanice about the incident. Unfortunately, without a guardian, after she asked to speak with her mother. Hey Shanice, how are your cookies? Hey kiddo. They were good. What's happening? Um, it smells like cookies in here. Did you save enough for the rest of us? There was a big discussion about it. So Me being arrested? We need to talk okay. about what happened in the hallway. Okay. So from the school's point of view, the stuff that happened today is is not acceptable. Are you sure? On both sides. Okay. She cannot be waving at you in the hallway. She cannot be smirking, laughing. She shouldn't be talking to you. Right. Okay. I thought because like the last time they said that she wasn't even supposed to acknowledge us. So that's why Correct. I was confused at first. So like I said earlier, there's going to be consequences on both sides. Okay. Okay. So, and they're going to be, they're going to be the same consequence, which doesn't happen very often. It doesn't always happen. That's what's going to happen here. 
okay? Okay. So, Shanice, you can't swear, you can't yell, you can't cause disturbances in the hallway like that. Okay. I see somebody who gets really passionate about things and can get upset when you feel that things are unfair, unjust, and unacceptable. And I think that's a lot of... I just feel like nothing was being done. Yeah. So I know. And I stress out because this week has just been hell for me. I'm sorry. And you're stuck in the middle. You're stuck in the middle of your friends and trying to stay out of the drama and stay out of trouble with that kind of stuff. But then today, I think you let yourself get pulled in and you let your emotions take over today. So, um, from, from my point of view, from the school side, this is your warning. If there are disturbances in the hallway, if there is yelling, if there is shouting, if there is swearing. I just don't know how to handle it. Yep. She keeps saying yep. it. So and, then, I, and I, like, the reason why I went up to her was because I, I don't know her at all. Yep. And I just wanted to know why she kept saying it to me. Because, mm -hmm. like, this time, it would have, she didn't say it to me. She didn't mm -hmm. say it to some anybody else around she said it directly at me she's instigating and trying to get a reaction and then I was like mm -hmm. why wh what did you say why, why would you say that and like mm -hmm. people in the background are backing her up and I'm just like that's not right and I was mm -hmm. like I felt like no one like everybody thought that I was the bad guy like I was the one but all I wanted to know was why she kept saying it she means I don't think you're a bad guy so when I was walking over there like I was fine I was like okay whatever but then the second she comes back around because she's going back to her class mm -hmm. and she goes in there in like uh, Mr. J's class or whatever, she says, nigger, nigger, nigger. And I was like, I lost it at that point. I was like, what is going on? And so I walk up to her and before I could even like do anything, like say anything, Mr. Mr. Hubing and like teachers are coming over to me and like trying to like touch me and like do all this stuff to me and I was like I looked at Mr. Hubing and I, like my hand was shaking I was like Mr. Hubing I'm not gonna do anything like I'm not like, they gonna, don't like, know that and that's what I'm saying like I can understand that because like they they don't I don't get like this like I don't get upset about anything like that sure. but this is this is the second time she's said the n-word to me okay and you know what it, that's to me personally that's mm -hmm. the the most vile disgusting word anyone can call someone right all right that's just but that's me okay all right i get where you're coming from okay how old are you i'm 16. okay so you're mature enough you seem like a pretty mature young lady yeah you've got to be able to control if someone calls you a name whether it be that name or any other name now that's the godfather of all names mm -hmm. but you're a better person than that mm-hmm okay I've been upset multiple times about the N-word being said and everything. Like, I just get upset. Like, I'm going to confront you and I'm going to ask you. Did you swear at anybody? I sw yeah, I swore. Okay. Well, let me tell you this. All right. And it, it, maybe, you'll, maybe you'll see things more clear now. The definition of disorderly conduct on the state statutes is any action in private, private or public, mm -hmm. whether it be profane, loud, boisterous, or threatening, that provokes doesn't mean it has to but it provokes a disturbance what i'm trying to say is yeah someone says the n-word three times to you mm -hmm. girl just don't blink an eye be the better person don't say anything don't acknowledge them okay if you just, just ignore her i think suspended well, okay. is a, a little well, a little harsh like for you could have been arrested today they decided yeah. not to you could have got a disorderly conduct i would have put you in handcuffs drove you up to the station and had your parents come pick you up and you'd have had a 376 dollar ticket so count your blessings. Let's get back to Tyra and Brian about what happened next. Was there a, was there a protest? 
after she was suspended, Shanice and uh, a few of the students, her fellow students, got together and protested uh, what happened. The news, the news came out, interviewed them, and it did get some, it did get some play on the local news stations. There were hopes that something would have blossomed from that. It blossomed in a way, but not as much as we would have hoped. So that is the reason that we're continuing this. We're continuing to fight this. We want people to be held accountable. Those directly involved in that decision making need to be held accountable. Uh, what was the response from the school for uh, the, you know, in the protests about the protests? They allowed the protests, but ultimately there was nothing done to uh, satisfy those protests, to satisfy what the reason for those protests were. Uh, Diania, who is Shanice's mother, attend, attended the school board uh, meetings. Others in their organizations attended the school board meetings, voicing their displeasures, telling them exactly what's going on and what they need to address, yet nothing was addressed. In fact, Ms. Ms. Marriott sent emails, made phone calls, never received anything back in return. So it shows their level of commitment to remedy these problems that are so prevalent and, and obvious to some, again, but yet oblivious to others. Has any of the policies changed at the school since the suspension? Not at all. Not at all. What was the aftermath with um, the young lady after the suspension? Well, she was allowed to go back to school after one day of being suspended. But keep in mind that her suspension happened on a Friday. The homecoming dance was Saturday. She wasn't allowed to attend that. The video shows after the, the incident took place, Shanice sitting in a, an office or a conference room with the vice principal, uh, a detective, and the police officer whose body cam shows the, the interaction taking place in the, uh, uh, in the office speaking with Shanice. So in essence, what we're seeing are three adults against one teenager, one black teenager. She asked for her mother. That went ignored. As a matter of fact, she was lied to. They told her that she couldn't, she couldn't talk to her mother until after she spoke to the cops. Where does that happen? Where do they do that at? So the aftermath entails more than just going back to school. It entails more than just attending classes. The aftermath is what people don't see. They don't see the emotional trauma, right? They don't see the emotional trauma that she's going through right now. They don't see the uh, the therapy that she may be going through and uh, the consequences of those adults that impose their authority upon her in a wrongful manner, in my honest opinion, race based. So what were they what were they threatening her with the rest for? Uh, your guess is as good as mine. But judging from the judging from the, the, the video, they aren't justified in in making those claims. They, they, they aren't justified in saying we're discussing uh, arresting you. A big discussion about being arrested was made. They, they have no justification in that because what did she do? There, there was no uh, physical altercation. There were no threats made on her part. They're, they're again, making something up in order to criminal, criminalize our kids. 
So what is what's going on with the with the back and forth with the black kids and white kids on social oh, media? Well, I, I, I'm not extremely familiar with their back and forths right now. Um, so I can I can only speculate uh, as far as the the culture of that of that uh, atmosphere right now. I I wouldn't want to say definitively right now without knowing for sure. Understood. Does she still go to the school? She does. And the reason for that being she wanted to fight. She didn't want to leave because if she left, they would have won. Well, that's that's incredible of her. Well, Brian, I'm glad you brought this story to us and I'm looking forward to having you again to talk on some upcoming stories. Thank you, Tyra. I truly, truly appreciate your time. And it was a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much. Thanks, Tyra. The ACLU has stepped into this situation as sufficient progress has not been made toward equality. I visited a school board meeting last week in which mom, Deanna Marriott, tried again to get answers from the board only to get the response of, we've not done nothing. We'll be back in a couple weeks with an update including a full interview with Deanna and Shanice as well as residents of Greendale and other experts on the topic. That's it for this episode. We're also working on episodes around life after high school. What are your options? an update on immigration, and mental health in minority communities. For Tyra Dial and Capri Fernandez, I'm Farron DeBell, and this is Our Truth Today. Opinions expressed are those of the guests and not necessarily those of the show's producers, hosts, or advertisers. If you have show ideas, email us at info at ourtruth.today. Have a great week. <laughs>